Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scott's Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Riggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does. He's scored! Oh, what a great And this week we're joined by poet, performer, musician, singer, playwright, Kevin P. Gilday. Thanks for coming on, Kevin. No worries. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so, uh, the magazine of choice today, I don't know if it's choice, it was thrust upon you, is a shoot magazine from the 14th of March, 1992. So, it's, it's you know, still... I would call this relatively recent. I, I, I don't believe anything. Anything after '96 can be nostalgic for me personally. Oh. It's like when people start trying to talk about things in the 2000s as nostalgic, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> can I can I mess you up a wee bit and tell you that this magazine was released exactly a week after my fifth birthday. <laughs> that's I mean that's right and this is still in this nostalgic um, window <laughs> right so we'll do as we always do we'll start off in the, the cover so the main cover has a picture of Brian McClare celebrating a Man United goal with his arms raised uh, and the text is McClare United's goal king and it says in, in a circle at the top still only 55 pence so you know regular listeners will realise that the price is increasing uh, just one of, one of the things that I've, I've started noticing more now after um, the, the Sanjeev Kohli one that we had is the writing at the top of the magazine. So mm-hmm. what we have here, assume it's for Johnston, but it's Johnston. It could well be a Celtic supporter for all we know. H's <laughs> everywhere. So instead of J-O-H-N, they've got J-H-O-N, Johnston written in um, Biro. So that would be for Mrs. Probably Mrs. Johnson, um, but who's it could well be Mister. So other features on the front page is win a great New England kit, uh, score with Bull, so that's Steve Bull of Wolves, revealed all you need to know about the Super League. So inside shoot discuss the introduction of the English Premier League. So this is mm. March '92 before the start of the the mammoth monolith. Lots of that the Premier League then became. Other things, Dundee bust up. So shoot goes behind the scenes of the Dens Park Ding Dong. Uh, Ding Dong's a great, a great football phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Coaster Power, Mike Marsh of Liverpool, Jerry Craney of Celtic, and Jason Cundy of Chelsea, all colour pictures. Pro set extra time, soccer's number one rating service. So this is uh, the the results, teams, things like that, scorers, attendances. And lastly, Cluffy, I'm so proud. Cluffy talks about his pride in youngster Stuart Pierce. So there we go. That's that's quite a, a while ago. Um, if, if yeah. I'm, so yeah, again, it's 
one of the the better Man United tops, I think. This Adidas one, I've done it, haven't I? I keep saying I'm going to say Adidas, which is what I was saying. <laughs> but Adidas one uh, sharp across uh, across the uh, the front. Uh, the it's got a bit of black piping down the diagonal from the the shoulder bit. Mm. Um, it's the good thing. It's it's before kit started getting really big. There was a period, I think, and certainly the the nineties, maybe into two thousands, where I, I keep saying there must have been a, an abundance of material that people just had to get rid of, and um, so the, the the kits still look quite quite fit, well fitting without being, you know, the sort of tight ones that they get today. So, anybody want to pick anything off the front page there? Um, I'm kind of um, interested in the fact that so. Shoot, 55p, cool. And the only two places that have another currency listed are Australia and Germany. I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of interested in Shoot's audience, that it's Mm. people in the UK and then Australia and then Germany. It feels like a really incongruous mix of locations to be be sending a, a British football magazine. I mean, it's a, it's a good point because throughout the years and different ones that we've seen, we've seen um, ERA, so the Republic, we've seen Canada, we've seen um, the Spain. Philippines, Spain, all mm. these things, you know, and it's it's interesting. So Germany's four Deutschmarks as well, which, you know, young, young youngsters these days probably won't even know what a Deutschmark is. <laughs> so it's certainly... There's not there's not a lot of you know difference there as you say, but there has been over the the past. I'm sure they still I'm sure they must have still served those the other the ex colony colonies and things like that. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, I think was was some of the other ones as well. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll delve inside pages two and three, and this is all you ever wanted to know about the Super League, and then in brackets but didn't have a clue who to ask. So shoot gives it to you straight. So this is quite a bold statement from him here. So there is the 10-point plan, which they go through, and these are the 10 points that will be discussed by the prospective Premier League clubs on March the 27th. So we'll just look through these. Number one, stadia have to be all seated. Number two, visiting supporters, 5% capacity handed to visiting fans. Number three, promotion and relegation. Start with 22 teams for the first three years with three up, three down. In the fourth year, four up, two down with 20 teams thereafter. Four okay. down and two up. What did I say? Did I say four up, two down? Thank you. Okay. We'll edit, we'll edit that straight and then it'll be seamless. <laughs> <laughs> down, two up with 20 teams thereafter. Uh, number four, input from players and managers. One club, one vote. Right on, brother. Number five, Saturday internationals. League programmes played midweek and players return to clubs on Sunday. Number six, mid-season break, possibly over Christmas. Idea put to fans. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Number seven, a transfer ban. Two-week buying period allowed mid-season, but otherwise clubs retain squad they started the season with. Number eight is TV coverage. Live coverage could be broadcast if a game is sold out. If not a sellout, then only shown live outside the region. 
ITV's contract is, is expiring, so the BBC could come into the bidding. Players' contracts at number nine. Existing pension schemes, benefits and contracts will continue to be honoured. Uh, number 10, commercial, the NFL model in the US, which has its own merchan merchandising arm and distributes profits evenly, is being studied. So it says, like it or not, the Premier League will be with us in time for the start of next season. The FA Council has approved the breakup of the 104-year-old Football League. Now the Super League bandwagon is rolling on at some speed. Uh, Premier League Chief Executive Rick Parry says, the Premier League is going to happen on the 15th of August, and between now and then we'll see positive steps taken to prepare for that. It'll be three or four years before we feel the full benefits. Our main aim is to take football into the next century. Uh, TV coverage is high on the agenda, with £80 million being mentioned. We are looking at the long-term health of the sport. We are more visionaries than mercenaries. Makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> Clubs outside the Premier League will be well looked after. They won't get a proportion of the TV money, but Pool's money alone will raise £1 million a year. There's a lot to dissect from that, isn't there? <laughs> it's incredible what, like, looking at this now and, and knowing what we know now and knowing where it went after this point and yeah. knowing the direction it went in. And uh, they were kind of already trying to sell you something different even before it started. They are saying, oh, it's going to be great, it's going to be fairer, everyone's going to get paid better, it's going to be better for the fans. Mm. Whereas actually they were putting all the, the pieces in place to, to absolutely just decimate what was football and turn it into, to, into a TV programme. Yeah, it's interesting there with that point of TV coverage, it's still sort of suggesting that TV would be sort of secondary saying, you know, like, a game will be broadcast if it's sold out, but if it isn't, you know, it's, but very quickly it became TV was the first, was the priority. Well, really. I wonder if that, because it mentions ITV's contract and BBC could come in, so there's no mention of Sky at this point. Right, so at that point, no. Maybe Sky, have came, I mean, they've also mentioned the £80 million. Oh, wow. <laughs> at the time, that probably was, you know, really good, but probably Sky have come in with a huge offer and demanded what they what they wanted and been given it um, in terms of that. I mean, we we knew right from the start of the, the Sky thing that they they were they were definitely selling it as a spectacle. It was all the pre-match pomp and stuff that was involved with the, the Sky uh, cheerleaders and all that stuff. And there was what was it? There was sumo wrestlers or something like that as well. Oh, well, I think there was certainly NFL-style razzmatazz mm -hmm. to start off with in that first season or the first few games, anyway, the live TV coverage. So the stadium, all seated, we got that, but that wasn't really as a consequence of the Premier League. Well, I thought that was interesting as well when it says there all seater stadiums are already meeting with stubborn resistance. This is three years on after Hillsborough, mm -hmm. and they'll certainly be standing in the terraces next season. You know, it's, I think find that odd that there wasn't a kind of, by that time, a real sort of blanket, nah, this is what you've got, you've got all seat your stadiums like yeah, the Olympic yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, input from players and managers, this one club, one vote thing, I mean, I sort of poo-pooed it at the time. It's, it's not really the, the case, is it? It's driven by commercials. So, I mean, how much, how many times do we, we have 
you know, recently and in the past, we've had managers and players saying we should be doing it. Quite often it's about international or, you know, having a break. And let's face it, they don't really get listened to. So, yeah, yeah and it's the it's power of the cash which is, is driving it. The transfer ban. So a two-week buying period allowed mid-season, but otherwise clubs retain the squad they started the season with. So, I mean, that's pretty much in play. It's, it's longer yeah. than two isn't it or is it is it about a month it's definitely I think it's about a month isn't it the, yeah. the window in, in January but um, mm. it's weird to see that kind of written down as a, a prototype at this time and I'm already kind of thinking about kind of cutting it off I, th- I think I think just for the very fact that it's brought the whole Jim White thing into existence <laughs> that, you know we, sh- we should we should a career out it now he's got a career out of a ticking clock and looking yeah. at it and going there's only five hours left guys <laughs> yeah so you know I think we, we should build a time machine go back and just poo poo this whole idea just for that um, no offence Jim no offence <laughs> No, the players' contracts, existing pension schemes, benefits and contracts. I think, I don't know if it was in this magazine, it may have well been that that was a bit of a, a sticking point at, to, to a certain degree. Um, that, you know, it, it just makes, you, you think it's a strange concept that, and I know there is all these employment things um, that are in place, but I just think, well, just because you're changing the, the competition and things like that, why should the contracts change? But listen, that's for that's for more. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's, as we know, there's lots of um, employment experts in Scotland that could probably deal with. <laughs> Interesting wee paragraph there where Rick Parry said, uh, "But the Premier League are against name sponsorship. The best events in the world, the Olympics, the World Cup, and Wimbledon, are not name sponsored events." Explains Parry. That was another thing that quickly went out the window. Yeah, uh, I think it would have been the Barclays right from the start, wouldn't it? Mm. It was a Barclays Premier League. Mm. Uh, TV coverage high in the agenda, 80 million being mentioned. I mean, there's no way, even the most optimistic back then could have seen what it would have become. You know, maybe you sort of hope and you, you think, but, you know, where it is just now is just quite incredible. Yeah. The, so there's a picture with this as well. So we've got a crunching challenge of Brian Robson um, with Carlton Palmer. Carlton Palmer? Ah. It's both of them have obviously went in full blooded. Um, I love the fact that Brian Robson's actually he's got his tongue sort of stuck out a bit as well. <laughs> Carlton Palmer's he's, he's big gangly legs, and it's quite a, a meaty challenge that's going in there. Yeah, there's something interesting about how this is a picture that they're saying is indicative of. Of what is going to be coming. It's no fancy football. It's no silky players. It's no, you know, incredible foreign nationals coming over. It's just people just crunching tackles, just killing each other, uh, just knocking the fuck out each other. And I enjoy, I enjoy that as a selling point. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, just the, the little bit of text right beside the picture says, "Our aim is to take football into the next century." So I, I don't know if they're saying we're going to take it away from that or this is what <laughs> So we'll move on. I think, Tom, you wanted to, on the next page? Um, you yeah, want... well, uh, the next two pages are about Britain's unluckiest footballer, mm. uh, which was Oldham goalkeeper John Keeley, surely the unluckiest footballer in Britain. And uh, 
the piece just goes through all the sort of disasters that he had to suffer. Uh, he broke his finger the day before he made his debut. Uh, back in training, he broke a little finger on his other hand. Sent off in his next comeback game against Stoke. Broke a hand, broken ribs. But uh, it's the wee bit at the end that, uh, that, that gets me. Uh, and to cap it all, John ran over Ian Marshall's cat. Or did he? He takes up the story. I gave Ian a lift home last year during the bad weather. He reckons I run over his cat, but I'm not convinced that I did. All we know for certain is that his cat is definitely dead. <laughs> Knowing the way my luck has been, I probably did kill it. <laughs> so, yeah, great. He burgled twice, his car's been vandalised. He's even killed a black cat. I love that. He's even killed a black cat. Of all the, <laughs> the unlucky things that could happen to him, he's even killed a black cat. It's, it seems to be the whole the whole story is a build up to that killing yeah. the cat. You know, just, <laughs> just, we don't want to go straight to the cat and really shock you. So we'll, we'll tell you about all these other things and just, you know, and he killed a black cat. <laughs> but, but, but also disputes it. I think that was the thing I liked. Uh, and there's a, a picture of him there on crutches with both both hands bandaged. Yeah, I wonder if that was done as a for a photo shoot or if yeah. that's on the time. He's a bit so he's a bit blasé about this. Ah, well, I might have, might, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just complete am, animal cruelty. Just like it could have been me. I, I, I don't know if it was me, but if it was, then I'm I'm sorry partially. Do you know what I mean? He's not that bothered at all. <laughs> what does he say to me? I'm sorry if I've, if I've caused some offence in that. This is one of them ones, isn't it? I am sorry if I've... Um, yeah, no, if no. I ran over your cat. I mean, you think it would be pretty hard to dispute. Yeah, yeah. A cat with tyre tracks <laughs> over it in the guy's driveway, you know? Yeah, and, and looking up his career after that, he went on to play for Colchester and played in a game where uh, he was sent off and then the goalkeeper who replaced him later on was sent off as well. Part <laughs> of the first time a club ever had two goalkeepers sent off in the same game. Yeah, I'm beginning to think this is nothing to do with luck. You know, there's a pattern here, and it's a pattern of him being a tube, basically. <laughs> I mean, if you get sent off, that is not unlucky. Yeah, if probably his car was vandalised, and then it says his wife and young daughter moved back down. I wonder if those are related as well. <laughs> That no, was a nice wee catch because I, I I'd bypassed that one, Tom. So that was yeah. a nice catch one from that. Um, so on to page six, we have a competition, and this is the New England kit by Umbro. Uh, first prize is three winners get the New England tracksuit. The runners-up get ten times brand New England third kits featuring exclusive three lines design, and it's a light blue kit. Now, before we get to the questions, but uh, it's a strange, the new England kit is a competition, but the first prize is a tracksuit. And they're not <laughs> the kit. I just, I hadn't even thought about that up until this point. So, it's, it's answer the question, which England player made his full international debut with a goal as England beat the French 2-0 at Wembley last month? Now, I'm, I'm guessing the answer could be Alan Shearer given that there's a photo of him scoring a goal against the French immediately above the question. Yes, I, I took that too. I did, I did not know the answer to that question until I looked at it and went, it's clearly Shearer, because there's a picture of him. Unless it's just a massive swerve, which would be very unfair on the, the readership of Shoot Magazine and their, their age level. 
The, the, the kit's pretty minging, if we're being perfectly honest. It's odd. disgusting. It's, oh, yeah. it's honestly disgusting, especially that weird wee section um, in the collar, the kind of filled-in collar bit. Oh, why would you do that? Just wrong. I'm, go- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, style-wise, it's, it looks a bit similar to the Scotland one at the time. Mm. That might have been the tartan. Uh-huh. Because it looks as though it's got one of those button thing that yeah, yeah. it looks as well, which the Scotland one had and the collar looks pretty similar as well but um, everything else about it is just yeah well like you were saying earlier on Andy this is a baggy shirt mm-hmm. the sleeves are the sleeves are ill-fitting <laughs> and there seems to be a lot of excess material there <laughs> this is probably the baggy yeah, it also just looks like an optical illusion. It looks like a magic eye trick that's went wrong and been turned into a t-shirt. So let's try and um, describe it, obviously, for, for people who are listening. So it's a it's two different shades of blue, or different shades of blue. It's sort of got um, umbro diamonds in, in the background, but then it's three lions across, like, a diagonal, large lines as well, diagonal down the... So it basically looks as though they've superimposed an England badge, large size onto the kit, and it's yeah, it's like a green screened England jersey. What do you make of the tracky? That tracky top, disgusting. What? Why yes. would you? Why would you write FA on it? Yeah. Like, seriously, Wait, all you need is a badge. Is there any, ever been a tracksuit that said? Football Association, <laughs> Football on it. Association. You know I mean? I Jesus Christ. I, I, I was recently watching uh, The Impossible Job, the documentary about Graham Taylor, and that's the tracksuit they're wearing at the time. And, and just through the documentary, I was trying to work out, what is that saying? The tracking, and eventually I worked out, it says F.A. Yeah. Bizarre, why you would, why you would and, and big letters like that as well. Yeah. Why you would have F.A. So the F on it, the, the material is... the. The striping material looks like the same design as that bit on the collar you were talking about, Kev. It does. So they were definitely going with that as some sort of motif in the in the kit at the time, which, and I think it looks also at the top of the the tracksuit collar is the same as well. Yeah, and is Alan Shearer wearing a shirt underneath it? No, that's what I, th- I, th- I think. That's that's a straight. That's the same sort of stripy design right. at the top of that. Okay. Um, yeah. All in all, a very bad idea. A, a, a bad kit um, for a bad competition. A, <laughs> an easy bad competition. So based on that, actually, I can see why. If you compare the tracksuit to the, the strip, I can see why the tracksuit is now first prize. <laughs> so I'd, I'd be happy with that. Okay, let's move on to page seven. So this is just across the page, and it's a full-page colour advert for Liverpool in Europe. And it's 95 minutes VHS video by BBC Sports Video. And it includes games against Inter Milan, Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, Bayern Munich, Bruges, Real Madrid and Benfica. And it's only £10.99. Yeah, £10.99 today would be like, that's fair enough. But back then, that's that's a few bob. I think there's a weird... um... I mean, first of all, um, I don't think that's how you spell Mönchengladbach, but... Mönchengladbach, right. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah good, good shout out. Also, it's like, you know, great matches against Milan, yes, Dortmund, yes, Ajax, yes, 
Munich, yes. And then C- CSK, Sofia. Mm, I don't, mm. Do I want to see that one? Um, it feels like there's a, they've just, this is what we've got the rights to, rather than these are the very <laughs> best games available to put on a VHS. Do you know what I mean? We'll move on to pages eight and nine. So we're on to Greavesy's letters. So these are where people write in and uh, Greavesy basically just slags them off <laughs> pretty much. So the first one we're going to look at is Dirty Dons. So David Turner from Paisley writes, Aberdeen were premature in sacking Alex Smith. After all, they were only 50 minutes away from winning the Scottish Championship last season. Now Greavesy, Greavesy's response is, there's a lot of people on the dole with more cause for complaint than soccer managers who go into the job knowing full well they're likely to get the sack one day. The problem for managers now is that when results aren't going well, it's the chairman and the directors who get most of the stick from the fans. And the minute that happens, they start looking for a scapegoat. It wasn't really the, the response I was expecting from <laughs> that one. So you basically side in with the... the the manage the the directors and owners on this one. Yeah. Also, why is David Turner from Paisley uh, an Aberdeen supporter? Maybe he just he, he has felt so much passion about it from a completely neutral point he of view. He fell in love with the beautiful football, and <laughs> he never came back. Yeah. So on, on this page, I, I don't know if anybody wants to pick out any more of the letters. That's the only one that I've really picked out from that. Is there anything else from there that's caught anybody's eye? Or should we skip? Well, no, it was just a wee bit with Gordon Banks, because uh, it's Jimmy Greaves' assessment of Gordon Banks, but he, he talks about taking a penalty against him. Uh, taking a penalty against him for Spurs in the 60s. As I ran up, I suddenly stopped and pretended I'd been distracted. So the next time I started my run-up, Gordon suddenly turned around and went to change his gloves, mucking about. I rolled the ball into the... Mucking about, I rolled the ball into the net while his back was turned. I don't know who was more surprised when the ref awarded the goal, Gordon or me. Right, interesting. Okay, we're on to page 10 here. So it's a full colour photograph of Liverpool's Mike Marsh. And, I'm just, you know, there's... He's, he's, looks as though he's just done a header. It looks as though he's also against Ipswich Town, for the looks of that, in the background. Yeah. And it's the, the Adidas strip with the... The three stripes down the arm which sort of came in, probably. I mean, I think the first time I really saw those were the would it have been the ninety two European Championships in Russia, right, yeah. like that as well, didn't they? So they have that. Now I've just um, done a wee had a wee quick look at Mike Marsh's profile, so we'll have a look through that. Full name: Michael Andrew Marsh. He was a midfielder. He was born in Liverpool in July nineteen sixty nine. Uh, so he started at Liverpool and he was there between 87 and 93, making 69 league appearances, scoring two goals. He moved to West Ham between 93 and 94, made 49 league appearances. Then moved to Coventry between 94 and 95. He then had a move to Galatasaray uh, between, in 1995, only making three league appearances. From Galatasaray, he made a move to Southend United. That's a bit of a, a culture change, that. And he was there for three years, three seasons, 84 league games, 11 goals. 
Then had spells at Southport, Barrow, Kid- Kidderminster Harriers, Southport again, Boston United, and ended up at Accrington Stanley. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about his about his later career, right, he went to join Galatasaray under Sunis, who was his manager at Liverpool. Uh-huh. But uh, he had a knee injury, right? So um, he retired at 28, but he got an insurance payout, which meant he wasn't allowed to play in the Football League again. But so he went playing non-league and he got promoted twice and couldn't g- carry on and because he got promoted into the into the, <laughs> into the league. So he had to move clubs to play for another non-league team and, and then wow. he got promoted again and then had to move again because he, he couldn't uh, validate his insurance pay if he played. No, that was that was quite interesting. But he, he was with uh, Jan Mulby at Kidderminster as well. So <laughs> there was another Liverpool connection there as well. He's currently at the time of writing this he was not the magazine the podcast he was currently assistant first team coach at Swansea I don't know if that's changed oh well so his honours he won the FA Cup with Liverpool 91-92 the football conference with as, as Tom says kids at Kidderminster Harriers 99-2000 and then 2001 the football conference with Boston United but he couldn't go up 2002-2003 the Northern Premier League with Accrington Stanley so He's, you know, he's won a few things where he's been, but he's not been able to take the full advantage of them. And we're going to move on to pages 12 and 13. This is the blah, blah, blah. It's all the gossip from football's number one team. So this is lots of little snippets of information. And quite often we get some good, good ones from this. So the first one we're going to look at is about Jerry Britton. He says, Jerry Britton is wondering what more he has to do to get a place in Celtic's first team. The 24-year-old has scored a staggering 133 goals for the reserves in the past four seasons, yet has played just two first-team games. Now, Jerry says, my contract is up in June and I must resign myself to the possibility of leaving Celtic. Liam Brady has not made it clear whether he'll be offering me a new contract, but I feel I have nothing more to prove at reserve level. Now, as a spoiler, Jerry wouldn't play any more games for Celtic and he was loaned out to Reading this season. He would then go on to play for Partick Thistle, Dundee, Dunfermline Athletic, Livingston and then back to Thistle as well as some other clubs. He was player manager for Thistle during his second spell there and also at Stranraer. So it never really worked out for Jerry there. Next one I'm going to have a look at is Brian Gunn. So this is a Norwich goalkeeper. And he's facing a race against time to be fit for Scotland's European Championship squad for Sweden. He crushed three vertebrates and suffered ligament damage to his back against Sheffield United in January. And Brian says, I came out to collect a back pass, but my studs on my right boot caught the ground. I've never known pain like it. I'm not ruling myself out of the European Championships, but it's always at the back of your mind after a serious injury like this. Morris Malpass, Stuart McCall and Gordon Jury are also are all one booking away from missing the tournament. So as a spoiler, the keepers for Sweden 92 were Andy Gorham, Henry Smith of Hearts, so Bangan uh, didn't make it. Malpass, McCall and Jury all managed to make the finals without getting another booking. So Brian Gunn was actually out for the rest of the season, so that, that injury... I think he's had a couple of bad injuries um, through through his career, Brian Gunn. So he never managed to to make that one. But it's just ninety two. I'm guessing 
seeing seeing Henry Smith as part of that is a bit it's a bit not saying strange, but it's a, it's not what I would have expected for the second keeper to have been. As oh. decent a keeper as he was. Um, so yeah. Ray Hankin. So there's, there's a little article here on Ray Hankin. And he's taken over from his ex-Leeds United teammate, Frank Gray, as manager of struggling Darlington. Gray lasted just eight months in the job, and Hankin says, Football's a cruel game. Frank brought me back into football when he appointed me youth coach at the start of the season. I spoke to him before I took the job, and he wished me all the best. To make matters worse for Gray, he had a £50 bet with Bristol City boss Jimmy Lumsden over who would be sacked first. After getting the chop, Gray phoned his mate to claim the prize, only to learn that the act had fallen in Lumsden 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> that's just great. Um, I hope that's true. I hope that's not just like exaggerated and stuff. I, I hope that really happened. But in fact, next um, sporting dinner. We should ask Jimmy Lumsden. So, uh, Rab Shannon, there's uh, doing the right hand side here. So, Aberdeen are watching Dunfermline Athletic defender Rab Shannon. He's one of the few PAR stars likely to fetch a fee when relegation from the Premier Division is confirmed. So, we've got a photograph of him here. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's looking on the bright side, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite harsh, isn't it? I was like, <laughs> you, you're you're going down and this is one of the few people that is going to have a career after that's happened. <laughs> so, so Rab Shannon, um, he was born in Bells Hill, Scotland, and oh. April 1966 he was born. He started at Dundee in um, 1982 to 19... That can't be right. Yeah, that is right. 1982 to 1991. 227 appearances in that time. Uh, and then he moved to Middlesbrough on loan played a game down there in, in the league, then moved to Dunfermline, where he played 69 league games between 91 and 93. So he did have another season, at least with Dunfermline. He then moved on to Motherwell, Dundee United, Hibs, Newcastle Breakers in Australia. He had a, a season out there and came back to Scotland and finished his career at East Fife. He's got seven under 21 caps for Scotland, uh, scoring one goal, no senior uh, appearances. And he, I assume, was player manager at East Fife between 1999 and 2001 as well. Um, no honours that I could find really to speak of. So so he did, Dunfermline didn't get their, their, their money for that one. So hopefully they sold somebody else um, to, to keep going. Or maybe they maybe, maybe they, were, they were okay financially and didn't have to sell. Yeah. I'm still amused by the Jerry Britton bit about how, how many goals he scored for the reserves. That's mad. Like, Jerry Britton, for me, is so iconic as, as a Partick Fizzle player and as a Partick Fizzle. Like, I, I'm a Celtic fan and I didn't know that Jerry Britton played for the, the reserves at all. And not, not even that he played for them, but he was that prolific. You know, in my, in my kind of watching football as a, as a kid and kind of growing up and stuff, he was always very iconic as... He was a guy who would score loads of goals for shite teams, hmm. and uh, yeah, it was weird to know that he was he was that close to kind of breaking through into the first team. Yeah, I mean, it it, it does make you think about what managers look for in players, and you know, if there's other things going. I mean, this is something we, we speak about, especially ex players that we speak to. There's 
quite often there's other things going on in the background or in the training pitch that fans don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, fans just, you know, maybe see a game or two they play in or see the fact they've scored 133 goals and say, why isn't he playing? And it yeah. may well be that he's, I'm not saying this is the case for Jenny here because it seemed as though wherever he went, it doesn't really seem to be problems or that that's followed them. So I, I don't know about that, but it could well be in another player maybe in the same situation was disruptive with other. And, you know, as much as he might score goals, you've got to think of the overall team. You, get, you know, is he putting the effort in? Is he doing what he's told? Is he, a, you know, a live wire? And I guess managers weigh all that up as well. The, the very fact, two two games, two league games, is just, you know, yeah. there must have been something. Yeah, there's that other thing that managers, if they know they're signing kind of thing, they're no interest they stick with the guys that they've signed. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we're going to move on to page 14. And so there's a load of adverts for coaching schools here. I'm going to pick a few of them out. First one is Pass Soccer, 92. This is in association with Mitsuno. It's a local non-residential course for boys and girls aged 6 to 16, based in Norwich. And there, there are over 60 venues throughout the country, although they say they cannot guarantee that a star player will be on every course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be gutted, wouldn't you? You'd be gutted if you got to one so of those. There's a star player on one course out of the 60, <laughs> and on the other 59. Yeah. So the next one is Bobby Charlton Soccer School. It's uh, day or residential, so you can, you could stay there. The skills final is at Old Trafford. There is Manchester, Hatfield and Macclesfield is where the schools are. And it says win a free trip to a top European club. Now, reading this, it's, it's reminded me a few articles from some other magazines in my collection. And there's some from 1987 in Shoot magazine. And they have photographs of a very young David Beckham having won a skills final at Old Trafford in one of Bobby's courses. Mm-hmm. Another photo later that year shows Beckham with two other lads at the Camp Nou as well. Okay, so so the first one was from 1987. It was both from an actual from 97. So it's Bobby's Boy Wonder, and it's got a photograph of a very young. David Beckham shaking hands with Bobby, mm-hmm. Bobby, um, where that? Bobby, Bobby Charlton, sorry. Uh, it says, first Mark Hughes and then Gary Lineker. New, now Spanish Giants Barcelona looks set to capture another British player. 11-year-old David Beckham, well, it says Beckenham from Chicago. <laughs> the David who plays right wing for Nevin Drive School and Ridgeway Rovers of Waltham Forest was the winner of a recent Bobby Charlton TSB soccer skills final held at Old Trafford. And it's, it's David's father says, I knew he had talent, but what he achieved in that final surprised even me. To appear at Old Trafford is one thing, but to go to Barcelona will be a dream come true. <laughs> David's ambition is to become a professional footballer, emulate his hero Brian Robson and play for United. Aww. There's something really nice about that, by the way. Like, you know, actually seeing that written down and knowing that he actually went and done what he, what he wanted mm-hmm. to do. That's quite a nice thing. I think on that, I think quite often you sort of certainly nowadays you, you you think footballers are treated with kid gloves and come through systems and stuff like that. But it looks as though here he's 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 been through like he's been through courses. He's you know it's, it's not as if he's just been 
put into an academy and worked on, worked on things like that. So the the next one there as well is Bobby's Dazzlers. So you've, there's a f- photograph of three young lads just in the steps at the new camp. Now he did play for Man United, as we know, but he also played for the other Spanish giant. So it wasn't yeah. you know that as well. So it says former England, the Manchester United star Bobby Charlton and Barcelona boss Terry Venables made a dream come true for three sh- three shoot readers recently. Winners of the Bobby Charlton TSB Soccer School Skills Final, Stuart Lee, 14 from Bolton. I'm sure that's Bolton. <laughs> David Beckham, they've got his name right this time, from Chingford and Gary May from Bolton. I spent two action-packed weeks training with the Spanish Giants. They even had time to look around the famous New Camp Stadium and made many friends during their stay. It's one of the things I love about looking through these old magazines. It's just finding things like that. But you know, you know, players who went on to become something, or even you know, individuals that have went on to do other things. Um, so, like I said, Tom, you you found uh, a little article with John Mackay there. Uh, yeah, the, he wrote one of the star letters in uh, in shoot. I mean, it must have been about fifteen or something like that. There's, there's loads of wee things like that which I really enjoy. But it's just that that whole thing just came about from the fact that there's the Bobby Charlton soccer schools, and and obviously this '87 was when Beckham was there, and this is '92, so it's been going on for quite a few years. So we'll look at the football coaching holidays, the other advert as well, as seen on TV, and it's coached under the careful supervision of ex-Welsh internationalist Peter Rodriguez and his staff. Age 96 and able to attend a week-long course in Tenby, South Wales, during the school holidays. That's your requirement. The other one is Castle Leisure Groups. And that advert is done sort of in the shape of a castle. So a wee bit of, you know, thought has been put into that. And that's Basildon in Essex. And it's Meet the Stars, number one soccer holiday, soccer coaching holiday in the north and south of England. Stars shown in the page are Ray Houghton, Liverpool and Republic Island, Paul Parker, Man United in England, and Tony Adams, Arsenal in England as well. The next one up is the Corver Coaching School of Soccer. And this is uh, held at Uppingham School in Leicester between July and August 1992. It's residential courses for boys and girls aged between 6 and 16. And it says, be coached by top coaches in the internationally acclaimed Corver Met coaching method and there's six residential weeks in July and August in 1992 you also get a free shoot t-shirt and certificate that's the one I'd go to if you get any yeah, I, I was just thinking that that it's the only one on the page that's in colour so they've clearly got a wee bit of money and then you know it, like the names that are in capital letters are Johan Cruyff Franz Beckenbauer and then it takes a turn, Peter Beardsley, Gordon Strachan, <laughs> but also John Collins is kicking a bit in there as well. Yeah. And the, yeah, that one looks really cool, and it's got the Adidas logo on it. I mean, uh, yeah, it looks pretty awesome, that one. I would definitely pick that out of the page. Yeah, and it's, it's not a bad wee kit that the, the wee guys wearing in it as well. It seems to have an Adidas yeah. blue kit. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you get to wear that if you go on the course. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, you're right about it. It's all being in colour. It looks a bit more professional. You know, it's 
it's put together better. And the the cover coaching school was has been around for years. I think it might still be around actually. Um, and we, we've we've spoken this um, before. I think Charlie Cook was maybe involved in it at the beginning or near the beginning of this. So it was certainly well established and probably did have a bit of clout behind it. Uh, the other one, G, just in the bottom left, is GHH, um, and that stands for Grittleton House Holidays Residential Soccer Courses. Now, you're going for the Cover Coaching School of Soccer, Johan Cruyff, Franz Beckenbauer, and then going to Grittleton House Holidays Residential Course. It's, it's a, meet Gary Mabbitt is on this one on a day trip to Spurs. So places are still available for August, and it's for 90, 14 year, years, and it's summer only. As I say, you get a chance to meet Gary Mabbitt on a day trip to Spurs. So he won't even come to you. He won't even come to you. You know, it's like, now you come to me, then meet me. Where the fuck is Grettleton? <laughs> Grettleton? Could you think of a grimmer na- name for a place than Grettleton? <laughs> Grettleton. It's, it's, it's quite... It's quite <laughs> But it's uh, Chippenham, Wiltshire, so that's a pretty nice area of the country. It's part of the world, but aye, it's not yeah. a great title. This one part, which is in black and white, everything else is <laughs> this one bit's black and white. And <laughs> lighting. So that was a page, um, it's the 1992 Guide to Soccer School. So there's obviously uh, the money and, you know, need for it and would have been a, um, a lot of people going to these things. Uh, on to page 15, just across the page. So again, we've still got loads of adverts. We've got club shops for Spurs, Norwich City, QPR, Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday. And they're selling kits, videos, sportswear. Uh, the Spurs ad also has a number of premium rate phone lines for club news, competitions, ticket info, and what they call an open forum, where you can pose a question to anyone at Spurs and hear their answer. Now, presumably, this involves you having to call back at some point to hear the answer. <laughs> you know, you're not going to say, "I'd like to ask Gary Mabbitt this, that, and the other thing." Yeah. Hey, Gary, come here, come here, come here. He's not going to be there at the end of the call, so you know you're going to pay twice there uh, on that one. Calls cost thirty-six pence per minute, cheap rate, and forty-eight pence per minute all other times. And again, fifty-five pence for this magazine, and for just at the the, the non-cheap rate and um, basically you're almost in a minute you're spending the same money as you would for this magazine mm-hmm. yeah premium rate numbers no. yeah it's weird that you would call your own club to get gossip about your club do you know what I mean it, feel, it feels like they're not going to tell you the full story right <laughs> it's very strange I'm also guessing that that open forum probably didn't get all the questions answered that were asked. <laughs> no, or there was a there was like a, a temp that was there just like phoning people up and putting on funny voices and pretending to be people. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how it worked actually because would they just loop through responses? Because you, you, unless you. You know, unless you're dialing a specific number to hear that, which isn't going to work, you know, given the volumes or whatever, it's probably, I'm guessing they probably would have taken a sample of the questions, got the answers, and then just looked through it. So you probably have to sit there waiting for you and want to come up. Yeah. And what question would you ask? Do you know what I mean? 
<laughs> I'm going to phone the club and ask a question. What, what, what question do you need answered right now? I mean, the question would be, why are you shite? Or why did this happen? Or, or, or why have you sold this player? And they're never going to tell you the answer to that question, do you know what I mean? I suppose you could, you know, if you're a kid, you can say, well, what's somebody's favourite food or what's somebody's favourite football boots or whatever? But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really strange kind of time warp to, to see this and know that people are phoning up a Spurs line to ask questions and probably, probably getting no answers. Yeah. It certainly, you know, it opens up a whole a whole uh, nest of questions about what they did ask. Um, so if, if anybody listening has any memories of these sort of things, you know, can just drop us a, a tweet or something like that, let us know how these things worked and what sort of questions that you are. In fact, tell us the sort of questions that you would ask today. No, I never mind that, actually. That's, that's <laughs> what uh, so before we go on any further, what we'll do at this point, so you, you'll be aware of the focus on features that are in shoot and other magazines so we're basically going to ask you a list of questions and if you just answer them as truthfully as you can sir yeah we, we, we won't be judging you on any of them really okay full name kevin p Goldie. okay so you're not giving us what the p is for no i don't like to get away uh, I retain a wee bit of uh, mystery in my life. Do you know what I mean? So I just say P. That's fine. I'm. I'm you happy. Guess yourself. I'm all. I'm all for that. That's good. Birthplace. Glasgow. Okay. First car. I do not have a car, and I've never had a car, and cannot drive. It isn't. I've never even sat in the passenger in the driver's seat of a car before. So that is a completely redundant question for me. <laughs> Okay. Uh, favorite player of all time? Uh, it's Henrik Larsson. Okay. Favorite just, I know it's a, that's such a boring answer. It's such a boring answer, but it's it's also true because I'm like I can't. I've not seen anybody better regularly in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's no problem with answering that one. So we know this one, but just for the record, favorite team? Celtic. What's the most memorable match for you? Um, probably beating Barcelona at home. Okay. What's been your biggest thrill? Um, beating Barcelona at home. <laughs> um, also, just I was at all the the kind of home matches on the run up to Seville, which were really great matches and and really amazing. That those were all a thrill. Although the, the home matches were all shite in comparison to the away matches on that run. <laughs> but yeah. the, the whole thing was a, a thrill in general. Um, Non-football-wise, um, I think just a few gigs in my career and, and performing in front of people, yeah. Is that just in general gigs or specific ones? Um, I'm trying to think of ones that really stood out for me. I, I was on the main stage at, at Bella Drum Festival a couple of years ago, which was was a buzz. Um, I've done Glastonbury twice, mm-hmm. um, headline gigs in, in America and uh, and in Canada, and they were all amazing gigs and, and great stuff. And, and performing in Germany, where poetry is a big deal, and yeah. there's thousands of people packed into a venue to see you, which is 
um, amazing thing as well. Not as good as being a football player, obviously, but for, for a poet, that's as good as it gets in life, I think. Yeah, good stuff. But maybe maybe you can um, later on, Tom, do that. The question that you sometimes ask about. Yes, I will. Yeah. Just thinking that there. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, back to this. What's the biggest disappointment? Ooh. Is this generally? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be about football. Um, I don't know. I think probably my disappointments are all political. <laughs> it's, it's still being ruled by the Tory party and it's still Scotland being part of the UK. I think those are my biggest disappointments in my life just now. Definitely. Yeah. What's the best country you visited? Oh, Love, love Germany, love everything about German culture and the way they treat people and the way that they live their lives. Um, but I think that my favourite country is Japan. I love Japan. I love, I love, uh, visited there and I loved being there. I love the culture and love the people and uh, the efficiency of their culture as well and the fact that nobody fucks about and it's just a very nice place to, to go and everyone's very polite. Yeah, sounds like a good place. <laughs> What's your favourite food? Uh, it's a hard unit. I um, I love a a proper, well cooked, homemade lasagna when someone's put the effort in and has constructed it just right. I very much love that. Yeah, brilliant. Good answer. What's uh, miscellaneous like? So just give me two things you like to do. Um, I like to, well, I love to perform, love to, to get on stage and uh, do stuff, whether that's performing in a play, kind of one-man show stuff, or uh, performing my poetry, or performing music with my band. Uh, I love being on stage and I love kind of uh, just being in front of an audience and, and being able to share something with people. I think that's a big part of my life. Um, and probably related to that, love creating, love writing and kind of making things. So I suppose they're, they're part of the same thing. You love creating the thing and then once you've got it there, you love sharing it with people. Sure, good one. So on the flip side, give me two things that you dislike. Um... I'd say just general inequality in society, the fact that people aren't being looked after and the fact that some people are born into a place where they're not getting the same chances as other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and also just cunts that walk slowly in the street. <laughs> just, uh, go, they just go too slow when I'm trying to get by you. That's does it. Does this sound familiar to it's my one all the time. I hate it. I, I think you should be allowed to punch people in the back of their heads if they're... A 10 second rule. If, if you've stopped me for 10 seconds, just that's it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> so, so moving on, what's your favourite TV show of all time? The Wire. Okay. What's your favourite singers? Oh, Favourite singers. Uh, Scott Walker is probably my favourite singer of all time. Um, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco is up there. Um, Jeff Buckley, 
Um, I could go on for a while, but definitely people with their own their own unique voices and also their own unique turn of phrase, I would say, are the, are the people that I'm always very attracted to as, as singers. Okay. Favourite actors? Um, who do I love? I love... It's great to see Ed Norton and stuff. Um, I do like... It's a hard one, actually. Who else would I say? In fact, no, I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to say Ed Norton's my only answer because otherwise I'll be here all day. Okay. I justify answers. <laughs> okay, so who's your best friend? Um, I don't... I'm going to say I don't have a best friend. I I feel like I have about 10 pals that I'm very, very close with in, in life and um and they all know who they are. But I don't I don't think I would say I have a best friend. I don't think I've had one of them since I was about ten or so. <laughs> okay. Who's been the biggest influence on you? Um I think my mum and I think yeah, maybe some some artists in terms of poets that have helped me out and gave me a wee chance when I was first starting my career and people that put my plays on when I wasn't uh, popular. And yeah, the kind of people that kind of help you out along the way. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So last question here. Which person in the world would you most like to meet? Oof. That's a hard one. Um, this is obviously someone that's still alive. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we've opened it up before, haven't we, Tom? So it can be. Yeah, something. I think we have. Yeah. I mean, I would love to to meet Jimmy Johnson. Like, I, I never met him when he was here, and uh, I think it would have been. I, I would love to talk to someone who experienced that in the life and mm -hmm. who came from a certain place but achieved something i think there's something really inspirational about that and it'd be great to to have a conversation and have a pint with him mm -hmm. good answer good answer okay tom do you want to yeah well if we if we fully dump delve back into the magazine we stick with kevin for a minute uh, so kevin i was going to ask if you could tell us a wee bit about the night you run uh, sonnet youth can you speak a wee bit about that until yeah, yeah. that sort of it? So, so Sonic Youth is a, it's a kind of spoken word, and by spoken word we mean performance poetry uh, night that I run in Glasgow, and but it's kind of expanded, and now we also run shows in Edinburgh, run shows in Stirling. So I co-run it with another amazing spoken word artist called Cat Hepburn. So... It started off as a poetry night and it's kind of grown and grown and it's become its own thing now. And we call it a, a spoken word cabaret because as well as the poets, we, we'll have an amazing musician and we'll have an amazing comedian and maybe someone who's from the more kind of literary background. So someone who's got an offer, someone who's an offer and has a, like a new book out and wants to kind of... Uh, plug that and maybe read something from it or some short stories something like that uh, but yeah it's grown and it's grown and it's became this amazing kind of 
I don't know, cultural institution now. And I love that there's we've got this built-in audience who come to see all our shows. Um, so I said, well, we're running three shows a month in, in three different cities, which was great. But now with everything that's happening with the lockdown, we've kind of had to move our operation online a wee bit. Yeah. So now we're doing, uh, every two weeks, we're doing an online show called Sonic Youth Social Club. Uh, and you can check that out uh, on our Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Sonic Youth. And uh, that's on every second Thursday. And it's the same kind of deal. We've got a kind of mixture of artists coming on and performing for you. Um, but this one is obviously streamed from their homes to your home. And uh, we hope it still carries on a wee bit of the, the same vibe and the, the good times that we, we used to have when we were all together in the same room. Yeah, great. And you had uh, Phil Jupitus was, was doing it a couple of months back, wasn't Yeah, we had, we had Phil on, which was funny. Kind of taking him to, you know, the, the wee room upstairs in Stirling for <laughs> Terry Pobes in front of 50 people. Uh, <laughs> but he was a good guy and a good laugh and... Uh, he lives in Scotland now, so ah, once we worked that out, he lives up in up in Fife. So once we worked that out, we we're like, oh, maybe we'll ask him if he wants to come and read some poems, because that was his career before he yeah 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 comedy uh, Porky and the, Porky the poet that. yeah that's it Porky the poet and uh, and I think he still likes to dip into it. So we we're lucky he said yes, and uh, it was great to to have him up, upstairs at the old hairdressers, like a hundred <laughs> people packed in, couldn't move. And Phil Jupiter is reading poems for people. It was it was great, wild actually. Nice. All right. So the the question that Andy was uh, alluding to earlier on is occasionally when I remember I'll ask a guest if you were a professional footballer, what would your ideal career have been? Oh, so I would have started at Celtic, and I would have kind of worked my way into the first team and had a few seasons um, and been the kind of wonder kid, a la Kieran Tierney. And then I would have, like, at the time, I would have been like, right, I can move to to somewhere else now. Um, I would have moved to Dortmund and had a few years at Dortmund becoming a cult icon there. And then I would move to Barcelona and have the peak years of my career at Barcelona. And then, what would I do? I, I feel like I've got another club before I go back to Celtic, but where, where would I want it to be? Maybe I'd go somewhere cool after the, that. I'd go, the, the I'd go, sorry. The J-League? You go to Japan? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, would I go and play in Japan for a couple of years? For, for uh, In fact, I would. I'd tell you who I'd play for. I'd play for uh, Yokohama Marinos in in Japan because I w- I went to see them once when I was there and it was it was great. And uh, I'd go play there for a couple of years. I'd come back and play for Celtic in my career there. Wow, that's pretty good actually. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's definitely the most glamorous career I think any of the guests has ever had. Oh no, really? has everybody went really low key and just be like? A, a, a lot of people have started off and then they have went. I oh, wasn't that good. Probably I would have went second division on my career. You know? <laughs> no, everybody's embraced that kind of. This is your dream career. You can go anywhere you like. You know, a lot yeah, of people yeah. kept well, kept it realistic. 
Yeah, I feel very driven. So I feel like if, if I'd put all my time and effort into this career, it could have happened, definitely. <laughs> do, you, do you play football? Um, no, no anymore, to be honest. Like, uh, I was absolutely rotten at football as a child, so bad. Um, and then when I got to uni, kind of started playing five-a-sides. But that, by that point, everyone's getting unfit, so it's a bit of a, a more equal playing field at that point. Uh, and then when you get a wee bit older again, it's like people are playing it for fun and you, you've got a few kind of sharks that are super competitive at five-a-sides, but for the most part, everyone's rotten. Yeah. And, and it's far more equal. Um, but I haven't played for a couple of years now. But I've never, ever been good. Put it that way. <laughs> so your your dreams are, are pretty higher than your. Yeah, you know. definitely, definitely. I I mean I, I was taking that as I had all the ability in the world, <laughs> which is what what it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, sorry. Before we move on, just um, going going back, I've had a on the Jerry Britton uh, question about why is any breakthrough. Uh, Celtic. I asked one of our former guests on Twitter, Stephen Murray, who's a font of all Celtic knowledge, why Jerry Britton didn't break through. And uh, his his uh, suggestion was so much competition at that time. We had Nicholas Craney, Coyne, Cascarino, Jakinowski and Miller. And Miller. Uh, and he says, pity Jerry wasn't a defender, as we were in need of him back then. <laughs> so he was like seventh choice, basically. Yeah, it sounds like it, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a good yeah. Oh, that is a good point. Right, so we'll, we'll delve back in. We're still on uh, page 15 here. So we, we did look at the Spurs line, but just beside that, there is star turn. And this is Nigel Worthington of Sheffield Wednesday. He takes a hot seat and makes predictions for the upcoming weekend fixtures. It's in- interesting to note that apart from one Friday and one Sunday fixture, all the fixtures were played on the Saturday. So let's see how Nigel got on. Noting that Lee Dixon and Ian Jess were leading the pack on 28 points with Paddy Bonner a point behind. So after doing all my calculations and looking at... So, so basically it's, it's all the all the games, Division 1, Division 2, 3, 4, Scottish Premier, 1st, even 2nd. It's even got the Vauxhall Conference. Although in the Scottish 1st, 2nd and the Vauxhall, for some reason, I don't know why they've got them there other than fixtures, but he doesn't give a prediction. So... Having looked at them all, Nigel got a score of 21, which, you know, it's not that great. So Lee Dixon and Ian Jess were still on 28 points from that point. So there we go, a little bit of fun, if if you want to misuse the word fun. <laughs> um, over to page 16, um, we've got Keir Radnage goes worldwide. So this is looking at various aspects of football throughout the globe. Uh, Argentina, it says Maradona has scrapped plans to emigrate to Florida once his legal problems have been resolved. And I'm I'm wondering which ones. (laughs) Um, He's going to stay in Buenos Aires and become a sports commentator. Okay. So moving on to Holland, clubs Utrecht and Sparta Rotterdam have donated 10% of their recent gate receipts receipts to help buy a new ambulance for the Polish town of Ostrovich. And Ostrovich is actually twinned with Scunthorpe. There's a wee bit of trivia for you. Um, 
So looking at the United States, and it says soccer arrives in Atlantic City later this month when the Trump Plaza Hotel states an unofficial five-a-side tournament between veterans of Brazil and Argentina. We we knew he would have to come up at some point in this podcast. Mario Kempes and Roberto Rivellino are amongst those expected to star. So a couple of wee interesting things there. Pages 17 to 24, these are the pro set extra time results that we spoke about in the front page. So I'm just going to pick out a few things here. Um, Sunday the 1st of March, so Forest beat Spurs 2-1 in the Rumbelows Cup semi-final after drawing 1-1 in the first leg. It's always great seeing what things were called. I mean, we were talking earlier on about the Barclays Premier League and stuff, but when it came to the Cups, you know, it was like the the rumble rumbleos. What, what's rumbleos? Can I ask? What's rumbleos? Rumbleos, not um, lights of white goods and things that they could uh, rent from them, sort of rentals type thing. Right. So you could get washing machines and stuff like that from rumbleos. God, that's a bit grim. <laughs> yeah. So Tuesday the third of March, this is the Tenet Scottish Cup quarter final between St Johnston and Rangers. Rangers won 3-0 with goals from McCoist, Goff and Haitley in front of 10,000 fans. Hustra was the star man for Jairs, while Lindsay Hamilton was the star man in goal for St Johnston. And moving on to Wednesday the 4th of March, uh, Spurs are beaten 1-0 by Feyenoord in the first leg of the European Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinals. They would draw the return leg 0-0 and so Spurs would go out two weeks later. On the same night, Liverpool would go down 2-0 away to Genoa in the first leg of the UEFA Cup quarterfinals. Genoa would win 2-1 at Anfield two weeks later, putting the Reds out as well. Not not great for English teams. The B&Q Premier Division, we've got Falkirk 1, goal from Smith and Hearts 2, Mackay and Derek Ferguson with the, the goals. And Hogg was sent off for a second booking. So Graham Hogg there, attending 6,225. Now, the, the photo on the page shows action from the Liverpool Genoa and the Feyenoord versus Spur game, Spurs games. But the second one shows, I don't know if you recognise him, Reggie Blinker. Yeah. For Celtic, and he's been fouled by uh, the Spurs players. So I did, did you actually notice him when we are going through this? You know, I did not know that was Reggie Blinker. Um but now that I'm looking at him, I'm like, wow, that's a blast of the past. I used to have a, a weird soft spot for him, despite him being awful. Uh, he was part of like uh, the kind of swap deal with Sheffield. Yeah, for the Canio. Yeah. Yeah, for the, the Canio. And the other interesting fact uh, you might like to hear is they swapped houses as well. Because uh, I, yeah. I worked for Scottish Gas at the time. And uh, every now and again at Scottish Gas, somebody would, would find like a celebrity's like, gas bill. Uh, and uh, there was people who would keep sort of print them off and keep a wee drawer full. Uh, and somebody had, had come up with this. Somebody had found the Canios and uh, Reggie Blinker. And they'd realised that they'd swapped houses. Like the Canio had moved into his house in Sheffield and Reggie Blinker had moved into his house in Newton Mearns or whatever. It wow. I'm, I'm wondering, what would the, do you think those would have been club-owned then? Uh, possibly, uh, possibly, yeah. It, it might just have been a temporary kind of thing, you know, until they both found, you know, permanent accommodation. But yeah, but uh, I do remember that at the, at the time. It's a great wee bit of info there, a wee bit of insider info there from Tom. Yep. Um, so we're on to Saturday the 7th of March, and it's a Scottish 
Tenant Scottish Cup quarterfinals. And Celtic three, Morton nil. Uh, two goals from Craney and one from Collins. Uh, it was in front of 28,016 fans. And the other game was Hibs nil, Airdrie two, goals from Coyle and Con. Always makes me sad. And the attendance, 11,000 at that game. That's pretty decent. I mean, it's just quarter, quarterfinals, but mm-hmm. it's not that decent then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> BQ Premier League, we've got Dunfermline Athletic nil, Dundee United 1, a goal from McKinnon in front of 3,042. St Johnston 1, a right penalty, and St Mirren 2, goals from McDowell and Aitken, Roy Aitken, three, just under 3,500 there. Yeah. Not great attendances by any stretch of imagination at this point. First Division, Air United 2, two goals from Ali Graham, I'm guessing, and Hamilton nil, and that was in front of 2,000. Dundee 5, Stirling Albion nil in front of just over 3,000. That was goals from Dodds, McCall with two, Stainrod and Gallagher. So, I mean, there's, Dundee had a pretty, you know, some right names back then. Wraith Rovers 5, Montrose nil. I, I mean, DL, two goals, Brewster, two goals, and Nicole, Nickel. You forget how strong a striking Wraith <laughs> Rovers had back then. Yeah. I was also, also a big fan of Craig Brewster as well. Um, so, just a spoilers on on the so we had the, the quarterfinals there of the cup. Um, Rangers beat Celtic one 0 goal from McCoys in the semi final. Airdrie drew nil nil with Hearts, and the replay was one one, and Airdrie won four two in penalties. Um, the final Rangers beat Airdrie two one, and a goal from Hately and McCoys, and uh, Airdrie goal from Andy Smith, not me. It's a different Andy Smith. I've known about that. Um, top scorers in the, the league that season, or at this point, with McCoyst, 25 goals, Haley 17, Coyne 15, Nicholas 15, and Scott Crabb on 12. And yeah. worth mentioning perhaps Mark Haley's Barnet there. So on a, on, a, on a previous podcast, we were talking about Mark Haley's haircut when he was at Portsmouth, and it was the sort of early beginnings of a, of a mullet, but you know, it was still mm-hmm. kind of floppy at top. Mm. And uh, I guess that was Sandy Patel, I think, had, had mentioned that it got much worse when he went to Rangers. Yeah. And uh, the, the photograph in this magazine is evidence of uh, Mark Haley's hair getting much worse. Yeah, it's sort of gone Frank Worthington-like, isn't it? Mm. That sort of looked at um, The sort of, you think, Lovejoy-ish sort of. <laughs> yeah. e- East European porn star, I think. <laughs> Can I grease back and there's there's a bit of a bit of a mullet thing and maybe a, a kind of perm or something going on as well. Um, so back to the, the centre pages of in the results section and we have a double sped picture of Brian McClare, Man United and Scotland. Um, so the article goes goes on about Brian. He says born in Airdrie, he joined Villa but couldn't settle and return to Scotland to join Motherwell and then Celtic. He gained eight O-levels and studied for a math, maths degree and would have become a teacher were it not for football. He joined Man United in 1987 for 850000 and was Alex Ferguson's first major signing for the club. He scored 24 league goals in his first season, becoming the first Man United player to score over 20 in a season since George Best. Brian is a music fanatic and also enjoys horse riding, skiing, chess, and collecting matchboxes. 
No, what, what others say about Brian? So Andy Roxborough, the Scotland manager, says, Brian has been asked to do several jobs for Scotland because of his versatility. A goal has eluded him so far because he's had to play all these positions and never played a full 90 minutes up front. Alex Ferguson says, he's a marvellous modern-day player who's never out of my thoughts. Mike Phelan says, Brian often baffles everyone with his intellect and big words. He can be having a conversation when suddenly Brian puts in his contribution with one of his special words and the whole subject takes on a different... <laughs> yeah, I made a wee note here. So there's a comedy sketch in this where a group of footballers continue to have a bit of banter and then there's one Brian McClare who, whenever he says anything in the conversation at all, it's all highbrow and intellectual, but it kills the conversation and the mood every single time, but he's oblivious. So that's my that's my um, punt for a, a wee comedy sketch. You've got a dressing room banter, it's all gone great, it's all bouncing and stuff, and then he comes in, and it just kills it dead every time, but he's oblivious to it. I don't think I'll... Anybody interested? No, it sounds great. That sounds good. Can, can I add a wee bit more to Brian McClure's um, intellectual credibility? Go for it. Um, he came to my gig last year. Oh wow! He, he was he was in the crowd at my poetry gig last year. Wow! Um, so I was downstairs at the Hog and Pipe. Was this playing with Mike Gary? I was. So I was suppo- supporting Mike Gary and Tori Garbert. Yeah. Um, great, great poets. Obviously, Mike Gary is a Manchester poet. And yeah, kind of yeah. Owen is kind of one of the the kind of great Manchester poets modern day, um, and you know he was like, "Oh, this is you know I'm talking to him before the gig, and he was like, oh, my pal's coming down.'" And I was like, "Oh, that's cool, you know, you know, someday in Glasgow, that's good," um, <laughs> because it was it was not a well attended gig. Let, let's right. say that it was not busting at the seams, you know. Um, so there was a they put tables out and it made it more of a cabaret thing. I went up and done my set, and then uh, Mike went up and Tori I went up, and it was great, good gig. And I'm coming out afterwards, and uh, he's like, "Oh, this is my pal," and I'm like, "All right, how you doing, mate? Good, good to meet you." <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and I'm going, "There's something about him, but but he's uh, he's got a brilliant big hipster beard." Just now, this Brian McClure, just yeah. a brilliant big hipster beard. Um, and uh, I was kind of talking to him, oh, how are you doing? And he was like, oh, I enjoyed your sets. Thank you very much. Uh, and I was like, so, you know, you know, you know, Mike and stuff. Hi, hi, I know. Cool. I was like, so were you in a band yourself? <laughs> 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 and he just kind of looked at me and he went, no, wasn't he? And my pal Kat, I was talking about the old happy son at you. She was like, Oh no, he's a football player. And he kind of like he took umbrage a wee bit and he was just like he went, Who told you who told you I was a football player? <laughs> and Kat went, him and pointed at Mike. <laughs> and Mike was like, Well, you you were? And I was like, It's a football player. That's weird. And I walked back into the the kind of dressing room to get my bag and my jacket and all the rest of it. I was like, oh, fuck, I just asked Brian McClure what band he was in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was my wee kind of uh, brush with with Brian McClure. And uh, and afterwards, I I was having a fag outside and kind of talking to him 
And he was like, right, I'm away now. I was like, good, good to meet you, mate. Okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> and uh, he was like, my boss is coming. I was like, he's, getting, <laughs> he's jumped on the bus, aim. I was like, yeah, he seemed like a really good guy. Mm. Um, but, but obviously that was very much like I was like, once I knew it was him, I was like, it's so on brand that he's at a fucking poetry night at the Hug and Pine <laughs> when, it, when there's like 20 people in the audience, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah it was very cool. I, I, I saw him in the, in the crowd at uh, John Cooper Clark uh, last year mm. than Mike Gary and Tony Gabba were, were supporting because mm. uh, uh, he's, a, well, Andy and I are Claybank fans and um, Brian McClear used to come to see Claybank quite a lot because his two nephews play for Claybank. Right. Uh, but I've no been no seen him for a while because I think he's working for Aston Villa mm. now. Yeah, maybe, maybe wrong. Um, but I so I it was that kind of the first sort of day people were like nudge nudge Brian McClare like never no Brian McClare because again he was dressed like a student he had like a rucksack <laughs> and a, a hoodie on kind of thing you know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so in the article Brian says on himself <clears throat> he says I've never regretted joining Man United I could have earned a lot more with a foreign club but United didn't mess about my ambition is to win a league championship with United a winner's medal in Sweden for Scotland and then a European Cup with United all that could happen in the space of 12 months that would be fantastic I wouldn't it just it's <laughs> probably more demanding than anywhere else but it's more enjoyable when I hang up my boots, I may go back to living in Airdrie. It's still my favourite place. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> the, the, one, of the, one of the things about this, it really, it was that uh, he was, when he scored 24 goals in the league, he was the first Man United player to score over 20 in a season since George Best. It's yeah. incredible to think. I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously since then, um, the way Man United have played and the, the players have had, but I just that really struck me. That was really not expecting that. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a character, as a Brian, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But the Mike, the Mike feeling one, just this whole thing that, that Brian comes in and just uses big words and it puts <laughs> a you know a different perspective on the conversation. Yeah, Mike. Maybe maybe they're not as big as you probably think they are. <laughs> Pages 26 and 27 is about this Adidas, the, the curve of coaching method. So we'll have a look at that. So as advertised in the previous pages, this near double page spread goes into some more details of the course and provides you with a token that you can use, although you require three in total, to get £3 off the Corver coaching video, which is usually £12.99. So if you weren't sold on the Corver coaching course with that colour advert, there's a two-page spread that's absolutely going to sell you on it now yeah they've got the money yeah <laughs> yeah so the world's the world number one soccer teaching method by alfred galustian and charlie cook the article is a photograph of steve bull of wills and england and he's taking a shot into goal there are four other photographs and some coaching tips will corver was born in in the netherlands and 1924 and he died in April 2011. Now he played for Rapid JC, which is Rhoda JC Kirkcaldy between 1954 and 1959 and then he had a managerial career between 59 and 77 um, with SVN, Rapid JC, Sparta, NEC, Feyenoord, Indonesia and Go Ahead Eagles. 
but he was nicknamed the Albert Einstein of football. Now, the, the Corver method itself is by analysing videotapes of various great players, he devised a new concept in football which advocates that skill should not be only inherent with young players, but could also be passed on in a comprehensive academic way. Under this technique, players progress in a structural manner from basics of ball mastery to a tactically driven group attack. Now, you can probably tell that that last bit I read out was from the official Corva webpage. That's the about. So this soccer school is inspired by the Corva method and was created in 1984 by Alfred Galusti and Charlie Cook. Alfred played for Wimbledon during his playing career. He worked as a coach, instructor, and educator with um, over 50 top clubs, including Bayern Munich, Man City, Real Madrid, Roma, Benfica, and Arsenal. Now, as for uh, Charlie Cook, so Char- Charlie Cook was born in St. Monans in Fife, and he was a winger. He played for teams from 1960 onwards. He played for Aberdeen, Dundee, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Chelsea again, Los Angeles Aztecs, Memphis Rogues, Calgary Boomers, California Surf, Cleveland Force and the Dallas Sidekicks. These are all real. These are team names. Wow. We've spoken about this before, about how good American team names were. Mm-hmm. Um, the Memphis Rogues, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, 16 Scottish caps, full Scottish caps, and he had a uh, managerial, managerial career involved just a little bit of time at those Memphis Rogues. He won the 1969-70 FA Cup and the European Cup Winners Cup in 1970, both with Chelsea. Wow. So it was him and this Alfred Galustian and Charlie Cook who came up with this, um, the Cover Coaching Schools, which I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that it's still ongoing today. So we'll look at page, move to page 34. So we're moving on a few pages here. And it is part-time and proud of it. And it's top ref George hits back. So this is England's top referee, George Courtney, who will call full time on his career at the end of this season, scared by talk of making officials turn professional. And he says, depending on refereeing as a career is very do- a very dodgy business. What happens if I break a leg or if I'm taken terribly ill? My mortgage doesn't depend on my refereeing income, and I'm definitely against changing it. Big, big change in refereeing down in England since then, hasn't there been? Yeah. It's funny that he's kind of rallying against it and the the amount of money that mm. they get now. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's weird to think of refereeing as a hobby. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Who, who in their right mind goes, I'm going to spend time on a Saturday chilling out, refereeing some games and being abused by people? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not my um, my choice of fun. He doesn't look the youngest referee, so I think he's probably pretty close to retiring anyway. So maybe... Yeah, I think he was 50 then. Yeah. Right. But possibly he just couldn't... He couldn't visualise where where the refereeing would go, you know, become full-time, or probably get paid really good money for it and things like that. And he just didn't want to take a chance. I mean, some people are, are like that, are, you know, just stuck in their, their old ways. I mean... I say this all the time, even at work and things like that. It's like the majority of people just don't like change. No. As the first, the, your first reaction to a change is generally, oh no, I'm, I'm, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. Why can't we keep doing it this way? But so often, from my personal experience, if I've fought back with things and then, you know, after a while I realise actually this is better. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay, fair enough. Maybe the next time I'll be trying to be a wee bit more open to it. So maybe that's where, for him as well. We just, you know, didn't want to change. He was stuck in his ways. Who knows? Who knows? So page 35 here, we've got a photo of uh, Chelsea's Jason Cundy. Quite a lot of people may know now from various radio stations. I won't, I won't name them. I won't name that radio station. <laughs> Sorry, are we going to talk about that strip? That he's wearing. Yeah. I'm just going to um, give a wee bit of background to Jason, then we can rip the piss out of that strip. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Jason played 41 league games for Chelsea as a defender, 28 league games for Spurs, and 55 for Ipswich Town. He made three under-21 appearances for England. He hosts shows on Beep and London Live Radio. Listen, this talk sport. There we go. It's just certain <laughs> individuals I don't like on it, so... I'm quite happy to name them as well. So, Tom, have you any thoughts on the the strip that Jason's wearing? It's a it's a classic. So it's a, a Chelsea away. It's white and red, and there's a sort of diamondy kind of stripe. Sort of, it's an umbro strip. Yeah, and and it's a pattern carries on onto the shorts as well. Yeah, it looks like someone has taken a picture of an Airdrie strip and then rearranged it. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's many strips that work when they carry the motif from the shirt onto the shorts. No, there's there's very few things you can put on shorts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm 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 totally on on um, Tom's side here. The Scotland ones with the with the band rubbish, absolutely horrible. There was a Brighton pair that was. There was a Brighton um, strip that they had, blue and white stripes. It was absolutely. It looked like a a, a carrier bag from Tesco or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and there was another kit I saw recently that had pinstripes on it. Just didn't they look right? So, and unless you've just something doing the side, something doing the side, leave it. Anything else is just minging. But that is a, that is an absolute. It's Commodore. They look, yeah, Commodore the sponsor. Yeah. Wow. Interestingly, on the the sleeve, look at that. Look at the size of the. It would have been the football league emblem at the time yeah. or the badge. It's tiny wee thing. It's sort of listen. We we don't we we want to put something on there, but we don't want it to be too big. And you look at them nowadays, and it's like <laughs> the whole arm, and you, have, you get tattoos. I mean, again, actually, I never think about that. How many tattoos have you seen on players here? Yeah, I, th- I think it probably would be noticeable if we'd saw any. Just, but it's, it's, you know, when, once you see it, you're like, ah, of course, there's, there's no tattoos at all. Whereas, he may well have tattoos by now. But his boots are nice. Pair of Pumas. Mm-hmm. Mm, pair of, nice pair of Puma boots. And I'm getting maybe Oldham Athletic in the background. Or Wimbledon, maybe. Yeah, Wimbledon's a bit of yellow, flash of yellow there. Possibly yeah, Wimbledon. seen it. I'm going to go with Wimbledon. Okay. So I'll move on to page 36 here, um, and it's I'm So Proud of Pierce by Brian Clough. So watching Stuart Pierce captaining England against France filled Brian Clough with a great deal of pride. So Brian says, Pierce is quite capable of doing for England what he does for me at Forest. In football management, I've only had a handful of captains, and they've all been pearls. Dave Mackay, John McGovern, Ian Boyer. <laughs> Pierce has shown he's capable of joining the Clough Captain's Hall of Fame. He says he's a fine footballer, he's a winner, he's also a friend, 
and I hope he becomes full-time captain of England as well. He did, he did go on to, to captain England, I'm sure he did. So the, the back page is a friend here. It's a picture. Of I'm sorry, you skipped, skipped over um, Cloughy talking about his, his roses here. I, I did. Well, you, you want to take that on? Coming on 57, Clough says, I sometimes take a bit of looking after, and Piercy takes that on board as well. He even looks after my roses. Well, actually, that's down to his girlfriend, Liz, who has a couple of horses, and the you-know-what does a great job on my rose bed. <laughs> that's fucking wild, but also, like, very on brand for Clough chat. <laughs> the next sentence after that, though. See, but it's on the field where Stuart scores. They're talking about his girlfriend. They say, ah, but it's, it's on the field where he scores. Huh? <laughs> um, the one thing I was going to point out there is that that photo of, of Stuart Pierce. I'm going, he looks about 45 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just looked the same age his entire career. What the fuck? And, and even if you see, it's like... This is just, he's just an ageless human being. Just one of those guys that's just born looking <laughs> old and stays old. I mean, uh, I know as fa- famously he's known for, I mean, look at the size of those thighs. Those are massive. Yeah, not right. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to jump to the back page. So what we'll do is we'll have a look at Jerry Craney, who's on the back page here. And then we'll, we'll have a look at the CelticMatchDay.com. So oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll do the Jerry Craney first, so... Um, there's a photograph of Jerry Craney in action against Hibs. Um, it's, a, it's a quite a nice Hibs kit as well there. But yeah, if you look at those two stri- uh, strips, there's so much green and white. You'd never let that happen nowadays, would you? They just never allow those like two teams with green and white kits to be on the same part yeah, like that. You now. see, the concession is Celtic have changed their socks, and that one they've got this <laughs> lime green socks there because Hibs are they're both wearing white shorts. The Hibs have got white socks, yeah. and that's the only change to the strip. But yeah, both shirts are predominantly green and white. And that Celtic kit, they were talking again about the cut and the size. It looks like one of those flying, the, the you know, flying suits. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's awful. I just, I, I don't get why that was a thing. No. But, um, but yeah, right, yeah, the, the whole thing about, you know, for years we managed to... Watch 22 players on a park and know which 11 were in one team and which 11 were in the other. And all of a sudden, they don't trust us to be able to... Adapt. <laughs> they don't trust TV viewers to be able to do it, I think. Yeah. Um, also, uh, is that the same cut, that, that strip, as the, the England one we were looking at earlier? Yeah. In terms of it's got the wee bit at the collar? Yeah, yeah um, good spot. The, the one the one we clip button yeah that's a good spot that that could well be the case so just on Jerry so Jerry full name Gerard Thomas Craney he was born in Coatbridge in April 1970 and he was a Celtic between 87 and 94 and he made 112 appearances in the league and scored 36 goals and he then moved to Portsmouth in 94 where he made 60 appearances in the league and scored 32 goals. I will double-check that because that seemed like an awful lot of goals. Um, he moved to Man City in 95-98. to 98, 21 appearances, 4 league goals. Uh, Oldham Athletic where he was in loan. And then he spent some loan at Ipswich Town, Burnley and Chesterfield. He moved to St Mirren 
between 98 and 99, 12 league appearances, three goals. Notch County after that. TPV, I'm not sure who that is. Any ideas? Is that a, a Wales team or something? TP? I think it is Wales, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, in 1999, he had one league appearance for TPV. Um, Wraith Rovers, six appearances, 2000. Uh, Queen of the South, one appearance in 2000. Clay Bank, three appearances in 2000. 12 Scotland under 21 caps and one Scotland B cap, but no full internationals. TPV are again a Finnish club. The Finnish. Oh, another Finnish club. Um, Collins Honours, the Scottish League Cup runners-up with Celtic in 1991. He's moved to Man City from Portsmouth was for £1.5 and, and he became a qualified wow. accountant after finishing playing football. The sponsor of the podcast, Kevin, is CelticMatchDay.com and so if, if you can maybe open up the CelticMatchDay.com website, it's, a, it's an archive of Celtic programmes and it's, it's all available for free online for anyone and there's there's um tickets as well match day tickets and things like that as well tom, tom do you want to pick one out hey, well, let's, let's let kevin pick one out okay. pick one kevin from us so if you let us know when you've got the website up yeah i've got it up now so there's a, the archive option and you get a drop down list of all the different years so if you just want to pick one and then we'll we'll pick a, a program from it so i've found Celtic versus Anderlecht, Wednesday the 5th of November 2003. Is that likely to be there? Yeah, was this the game that sort of Liam Miller kind of... That was the one. That was the one. Celtic versus Anderlecht 3 now. That's the one. Okay, so we click on that and it'll bring it up as a PDF. As you say, the whole thing's here. I didn't know this website existed. This is incredible. Yeah, no, it's great. As we always say, you know, you don't have to be a Celtic fan to to enjoy this website. There's there's home and away programs, there's um, testimonials, friendlies, things like that in here as well. So it's, you know, you can you can go way back. Um, what, how far back does it go? 1950. Well, coming soon, 57 is the first one. Populated wow. so 57 all the way up to present day, and you can. It, it's good to if you want to see old photographs that maybe you don't normally see that are in these magazines or old adverts or, you know, just reminisce about games or things like that. I mean, there's some cracking stuff in it. So going through going through this programme, there's the profile of the Anderlecht team and there's a 17-year-old Belgian international, Vincent Company. <laughs> Coped well with a triple threat of Harston, Sutton and Larson for the, for, the first, for the first game between the two of them. He will no doubt wow. expect another difficult game tonight. And there's a there's an article with Stanislav Varga looking quite. Well, you could say he's he's on the way to the Mark Cately haircut at that point. <laughs> it's not a great look. <laughs> but again, yeah, some some great photographs in there. Um, it's it's all a bit, you know, it's, it's professionally done. It's a lot more you know modern. It's it's colourful. It's you know high quality photographs and things like yeah, that. You scroll down, Andy. There's a belt of a photograph of one of your footballing heroes there, page 16. Page 16. Page 16 and 17. Is that Charlie? Charlie. Charlie Nicholas said a great picture of Charlie. It's when, when he was allowed in Celtic Park. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, I saw Charlie Nicholas talking about um, playing against Belgian side in Europe. 
There's a Stellium Petrov profile as well. And mention a Liam. Liam Miller. Liam Miller in there as well. Next squad. Christmas special offers. Um, let's see. Hold on. Celtic versus Dundee. So this is, I don't know what page that is. But Celtic versus Dundee, Saturday the 13th of December. Or Celtic versus Hibs, Saturday the 27th of December. Hospitality. Only £185 per person. Or only £150 per person for the McNeil Suite hospitality. Yeah, only. Only. <laughs> I'm looking at um, on the Celtic wiki just now and uh, the post note from it, they've got a quote from Vincent Company in 2019 saying, I faced many great strikers, but the toughest one was when I was 17 and playing against a great Celtic team. On the other side was Larson and Hartson which was just an unbelievable strike force. Yeah. So they're looking down, um, I don't know if that's a middle page, but there's a photograph of Liam Miller and Alan um, Thompson. The next, yeah. the next page. These are the sort of things I like looking at as well. So there's an advert for the Odeon in Glasgow, so we can have a look to see. What, <laughs> what, the Matrix Revolutions, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Alien the Director's Cut, Intolerable cruelty. I don't know that one. Finding Nemo and Kill Bill. I mean that. Wow. That edges that, doesn't it? Um, so as I say, this is uh, CelticMatchDay.com on the website. They also have a Twitter account, Celtic underscore Matchday. It's everything on there is absolutely free. Uh, it's, it's a great place to go and just spend a bit of time. And as we always say, it's not just for Celtic fans. Absolutely not. There's, there's loads of stuff in there. Um, there's a nice wee bit of Celtic uh, uh, trivia here where it, where it um, tells you the first time that they wore numbers in the back of their shirts uh, against Boa Vista in the Cup Winners' Cup in November the 5th, 1975, mm. when they were the last wow. club in Scotland to adopt numbers in the back of their shirts. Okay. Great stuff. So, yeah, listen, it, um, it looks as though that might be a website that you'll be bookmarking in, in the future. Definitely will be. And for for all, all the listeners, yeah, as I say, follow them on Twitter or go to the website, you know, give them some feedback as well, but it's a great source of material. All right, so before we go, uh, Kevin, I was just going to ask you a wee bit, if you tell us a wee bit about your album, because uh, you've got an album which isn't a spoken word album, eh, or it isn't predominantly a spoken word album? Yeah, that's right. So I have a new kind of musical project, I say new, it's actually been running for a good few years now. Uh, it's called Kevin Peagle Day and the Glasgow Cross. So it's a collaboration between myself and an amazing musician called Ralph Hector, who is also the guy who runs uh, Iffy Folk Records. There's in lots of other cool bands. Um, so yeah, we kind of started off a few years ago and Ralph was kind of wanting to compose some music to go with my poems which was great. So we put an album out where it was my poems put to music. Uh, so that was our first album and it was great. But it just kept on kind of growing from there and we've just kind of built it up until we're like, oh, this is an actual band now. So I was like, oh, cool, let's let's do it. So we've written an album together. I'm doing a bit of singing as well as the, the spoken word stuff. But I kind of mixing it up and kind of putting it into the, the same thing. And uh, yeah, so the the album's out on the, the 29th of May uh, on Iffy Folk Records mm -hmm. and you can get it, kind of download it for your band camp. You can listen to it on Spotify, 
uh, Apple, all the usual places. But we'll also have it out on CD and on limited edition called vinyl as well. If you're if you're into that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, we're really looking forward to to putting it out and and making sure everybody can can hear it. Uh, we're really proud of it. I think it's one of the best things I've I've worked on as an artist. So I'm really looking forward to to getting out there and and seeing what people think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things we do with the podcast is we have a website that goes along with each of the shows where we basically we include all the stuff, photographs from the magazine and stuff that we've spoke about so people can follow it while they're listening as well so they can see. So I mean, I'll share the photographs of the David Beckham and things like that and it'll be a lot less... A lot more seamless to them than it was. <laughs> but, um, so what we'll do, before it, it goes out, I'll, I'll get in contact with you and get any links that you want to add to it as well. Um, but we'll, considering that the the album's going to be out in May, the end of May, you said. So yeah, we'll, we'll get those links earlier and, and just put them out on the website and things like that, Tom, yeah? So, yeah. So it's, by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be probably past May. So we may as well get that for you. So we'll be in contact with that as well. Um, so I'd just like to say a special thanks to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah for the use of the story of the blues and the music for our show. You can catch up with Pete on petewiley.co.uk and you can check out the details of upcoming gigs and the new music that he's working on. And we'd also like to thank our producer, Diane Jarden, for her ongoing support and great work um, helping with the podcast please check out transmissionroom.co.uk and you can use that for music recording, rehearsal facilities in Clyde Bank. And I really do recommend if you do have a need for that, check out transmissionroom.co.uk. So as, as, is there anything else happening with yourself at the moment, Kev? Uh, not really. Everything's cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's not much going on. Uh, I'm writing a few scripts and there's a few things in the pipeline mm-hmm. um, but just now it's all about the albums coming out Sonic Youth's doing some gigs online those are the only things that are kind of there and the public can enjoy at this moment in time so if people have enjoyed listening to me then hopefully they'll have a wee click and, and check some of that stuff out Sorry, is the poetry book available to buy anywhere? It is, yes. So my, my new uh, collection, my fourth poetry book, it's called Sad Songs for White Boys, and it's out just now. Um, it's been published by Speculative Books, so you can buy it from their website or you can buy it direct from me at my website, which is just kevinpeagleday.com. Okay. As I say, we'll get, we'll get all those details from you and um, tweet them out and put them on Facebook and things like that as well. So listen, it's, it's been absolutely great. I've really enjoyed it. So I really do thank you for coming on and, and shooting the breeze with us. Well, thank you. Um, as always, I'd like to thank Tom for being Tom. Thanks, Andy. Um, and for everyone listening, and who, if you follow the podcast, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, as I say, follow along on the website, support all our, our partners and our um, sponsors and the, the, the guests who come on as well. You know, Give them all the support. Um, if you can share the podcast get other people involved other than that until the next time let's shoot the breeze <laughs>